Hey, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Biased, an Arizona basketball podcast. I am your host, Ricky Garrett, here with Ed Bardo. And we're sitting here post the Arizona-USC Trojans game where we're pretty psyched about what we saw last night. We saw a very strong showing on the beginning of the L.A. road trip, which, of course, to some extent, we were highly anticipating for the excitement of the competition, but at the same time, a little bit dreading because of how intense that road trip can be. Wouldn't you say, Ricky? Yeah, it's very daunting. You know, the L.A. schools, they're tough. Both of them are very tough. Uh, and this was a big win for Arizona. Arizona won 87 to 81. Uh, and I wasn't actually expecting it to be this close. Uh, you know, we had a 16-point lead throughout most of the second half. And, uh, boy, Boogie Ellis. Let's start there with him. What a great performance by Boogie Ellis. What an amazing performance by Boogie Ellis. He uh, One of the things we mentioned in the uh, – about the keys to this game, I guess, in our preview show was that Boogie Ellis needed to come out because last game we they were shooting about 36% field goal percentage against Arizona, which just isn't going to beat anybody. And the high score was Drew Peterson with 15 points. Where was Boogie in that game? Mm-hmm. So we said, you know, if that doesn't change, th- this game is going to be pretty much finished at the, in, in, early on. But alas, he did show up. What did he do, Ricky? 35 points, 11 for 20 from the field, 6 for 11 from 3. It felt like every 3 he was taking was just dropping. Uh, 7 for 9 from the free throw line, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. He did have 5 fouls, so he fouled out. Uh, But, man, he was just killer. Every shot was going in. He was so fast. He was so quick to get, you know, and ones, banking in 3-pointers. He was definitely the star for USC, absolutely. I mean, his, and it's not as if his shot difficulty at times wasn't just very, very difficult. He just stopped and popped, and, and he had defenders in front of him, and he still dropped the shots. I was amazed at uh, amazed at that. He did everything from, you know, he was shooting over 50% for, uh, in terms of field goal percentage. He made 11 of 20, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. So he had a well-rounded game. I mean, at some point, I, I had to take off my Boogie Ellis jersey because I had to remind myself, I'm actually voting for Arizona to win. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to appreciate that kind of talent. Not that we're not allowed to. Of course we are. We can be Arizona fans and appreciate what Boogie Ellis did, especially because he was a former Arizona recruit. Anyways, I mean, imagine Boogie Ellis on this team, on Arizona. I've thought about that a lot and everything, and I don't know what it is. It's, I, I really like Boogie, and I, I, I think he's a great player and I, I, I uh, with a great name. <laughs> but I, I, I've always liked him as a player, and I always wish him the best and and so forth. And so I, it's, I, I, I was, you know, pr- glad that he, he had a great game and stuff. It was in a losing cause and he kind of went out at the end of the game uh, in a bad way. He, when he fouled out, he was, you could t- see how dismayed he was. He, he felt, well, that was stupid. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about that balance because, yeah, it, it was Boogie. He had 13 points in the first half. He had 22 in the second half, so that's just amazing. Uh, then you had Kobe Johnson with 14. Uh, you had Reese Dixon Waters, or as Bill Walton calls him, Reese Davis Waters, uh, 17. <laughs> and then, really, there's a huge drop-off in the scoring. You know, the next highest point total is Peterson at five. Yeah, I mean, th- that was it. One of the things that was interesting is Drew Peterson really struggled in that first half. Fact is, as you know, he didn't start in the second half. I mean, th- I think he was taken out to kind of, you know, kind of sit him down and try to see if they could get his head straight to get him focused. Uh, to be honest, I mean, it was tr- pretty much to start the the Boogie Ellis show. And then Dixon Waters kind of came on 
and uh, it was do, giving some scoring there, but there was nobody else. We, I kept watching during the game to see if somebody was going to cross the double-digit uh, realm there with all the different players, but nobody was doing it. It was just those two for a long stretch. And then, so finally Johnson got into it in the second half. Yeah, and with Peterson, I believe Andy Enfield mentioned in the post game that uh, he was having some back issues. I don't know if you noticed, he had a brace on to start the second half. He was on the bench, obviously, uh, but he had a brace on. And I think uh, Andy Enfield said that he was having trouble, you know, staying with guys. Uh, he was trying to defend to the best as he could. He, you know, he's a great competitor, uh, but he just was having some back issues and he just wasn't able to be 100% out there. And that totally makes sense, too, because you could see his shot. He usually has a pretty clean shot, and his shot was just off. You, you could see it. You, you could tell his shot was just off. And so, you know, you, maybe there's a chance we face them again, and uh, he, he's going to be a little bit better off in the tourney. But, yeah, that was, a, that was tough. That was a tough way to go in your home court. Now let's talk about the balance on Arizona's side. You have Courtney Ramey with 16 points. Azulas Tubelas, welcome back. 25 points, 10 rebounds. I love it. Uh, Umar Bala with 10, Kirk Kreisa with 11, uh, Seth Henderson with 7, Kylan Boswell, 17-year-old Kylan Boswell with 14 points. And I felt like Kylan took some real timely threes. Did you, uh, did, just to ahead. note, did you know that he has like 5% body fat? <laughs> How much body fat do you have, Ed? <laughs> well, it's not 5%, I can tell you that. I'll, as, I'll, have to ask, I'll have to ask Bill Walton. Yeah, as Dave Pash says, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I, I added that into our bingo. I added a couple of things onto our bingo scorecard after last night's game. Our Walton, Bill Walton bingo. Yeah, we've got the uh, Saved by the Little Chairs. We've got the uh, Conference of Champions. And, you know, anytime he says that. Supermodulated is really good. Supermodulated. Supermodulated. That that's a definite bingo uh, win if you get that's, that one. That's, that's an automatic win. <laughs> So, yeah, anyways, we had balance going all across the board. Uh, but let's talk about Zoo. Uh, welcome back, right? Well, how many times do you remember in the last few po- a couple of podcasts or three podcasts that where we've mentioned it's time for Tabellas to break out of this funk? He's just been out of sync for a while, and it really seemed to start with that Stanford game around that time frame where he just got into foul trouble, and he really just didn't seem to be into things. And then he really compounded it by with the setback with the kicked ball. And so he, it, it it was about time. It was really nice to see him back. He just was playing with confidence. He was playing aggressively. He uh, he he. To be honest, one of the things you note towards the end of the games, if we see this a lot with uh, with with Azulis, is that he doesn't push to get his numbers up at the end. He 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 could have easily stayed stayed there and knocked up another ten points. I'm thinking, but he kind of backed off a bit. He shared, he kept the ball moving around and everything. And so I have to say, good game. And uh, thanks for not pushing it too hard. The I think we had enough players who were able to share the burden of scoring that it was just a great game in all. Yeah, and to that point, to kind of piggyback off of that, um, Tubelis didn't score in the last 12 minutes. Yeah, uh, so I was, it, it, I was it, watching him during that time, going, he's he doesn't he's not necessarily pushing to look for his shot. Yeah, it was clear that he was trying to get his teammates involved, and and boy did he! I mean, his passing into Baldo was great. Um, kickouts to Creesa and Ramey for threes were awesome. Uh, it was just an all-around really nice game. And to, to go over some more statistics here, uh, Arizona shot 54% from the field. They were 32 of 59. Uh, to go with that, they had 21 assists on 32 made field goals, which is 
unbelievable. I love that. Um, 50% from three-point land, uh, nine for 18. I think 18 threes is a sweet spot for Arizona. I think that's a, a nice number for them to shoot. They don't need to go up to 30 or whatever it is. I think 18 is the proper amount. Uh, what do you think? I, th- I think so. I think that's great. If you, that, that also, remember, we, we've been talking and using this term, a, a chuck game, and that's when they basically just start throwing up, part, mostly threes. They just start throwing them up there, and that's when we end up in the, uh, the mid-30s or more with a number of shot, shot attempts, and it usually means we're not making them. And so I think that that's a pretty good spot. And if we can just make an average number of those, we're, we're in good shape. We, that three, the three won't be a factor. Well, and one of our keys to the game from the last podcast was to, you know, take smart threes, work the ball inside to Tabellus and Ballo. And if they have something great, if they don't, they can kick it out. And then you start taking these smart shots, these smart three-pointers. And I felt like we really did that today, other than Courtney Ramey's heat check from 26 feet. Uh, I feel like yes. we, did a, we did a great job of, of shooting the three ball. Absolutely. Uh, you do 50% from three and, you know, you shoot 18 shots, you do 50% for three. You're not, uh, you're not having a bad day, you know? Yep. Uh, Arizona was 14 for 21 from the free throw line. Uh, only 10 turnovers, which is great. Uh, this is big, I think. Points off turnovers. Arizona had 23 to USC's 12. Did you notice at any time USC turned the ball over, Arizona would score? But every time Arizona turned the ball over, it seemed like even when USC had a two-on-one, they just always seemed to mess it up. <laughs> They really messed it up, and it seems like if because it basically comes down to just a couple of players who are scoring, everybody else seemed to really be tentative or something. It was crazy to watch that. And, I mean, one of the things I like to point out, too, is that I, for a while we were one of the best free throw shooting teams in the conference, and now we seem to be sitting around the mid-60s for uh, free throw shooting percentage. I mean, the free throw shooting was, was almost dead even for both Arizona and USC in last night's game. So if anybody wanted to complain about officiating and all the rest of that and stuff, the fouls was 18 and 19 with USC getting called for 19. So that was close. But again, the free throw shooting, Arizona makes 14 out of 21 versus 19 of 22 for USC. Though it didn't matter in this game, you know this is going to be something that's going to matter. Well, I think we all uh, remember Balo's missed shot in the ASU game. Right, right. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, it's going to matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what's kind of shocking is the guys that are missing him. Courtney Ramey. You think he'd be so much better, but he's around sixty percent free throw shooter, at, and he shot one for two yesterday. Uh, Tubelis. He's usually pretty consistent. He was three for five. Uh, Balo. You know. He's kind of hit or miss, right? So he was four for six. I'm proud of him for that. Uh, Kylan Boswell missed two. So it just seems like these guards, you expect them to be better. And Tubelis has always been pretty good from the line. Uh, they're just starting to struggle from the line for the last couple of games. Yeah, it's it's amazing, too, because a lot of coaches sit and they'll tell players, I mean, these are the points you left there. These were They're called free throws for a reason. These are the points you left there. For USC, you're not going to feel bad. You say out of the 22 possible, you got you, you missed three. Nobody, that's a, that's a pretty amazing showing. But seven points for Arizona that just got left on the table. You'd like to cut that in half, I think, out of when you make 21 sh- attempts. Yep. Uh, what's not so surprising is we were out-rebounded 38-33. to 33. You know, USC is a long team, and we talked about this, how lanky they are. Um, you know, they've got some good rebounders. So uh, let me just go through some of the stats here. Uh, Joshua yeah, Morgan. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that, that that's a really good point to make and stuff is that – and also, remember, we weren't necessarily playing the uh, the, the bigs, the dual bigs like that too and, to, and, and down local in that position. Right, right. So Joshua Morgan had 11, uh, Dixon Waters had six, 
Uh, and then there's, you know, kind of balanced rebounding from USC all throughout. Um, so I thought they did a really good job with that. Uh, one of our keys to the game, and, and you know how much I harp on this, and I think you do as well, um, the points in the paint. You know, our keys to the game was to pound the ball inside, and if Azus, Tabellus, and Ball have something, let's go for it. If they don't, kick it back out. Well, they went for it. Arizona outscored USC 34-22 to in the paint. What do you think of that? That's amazing, and that's what that's what we want to see. We want to see us. Uh, one of the keys to the game that you and I both mentioned yesterday is that if you want to have that perimeter game, you've got to get you've got to feed the ball to the inside to the big guys. Fine, you shoot the perimeter shot, but at least get the ball inside and let them pass it out if they drop down to uh, drop down as we've been seeing a lot of defenses do. They come down to drop. They drop multiple guys on our big guys. Well, kick the ball out, shoot the three. And I, we saw that happening. We saw clearly there was a strategy from Tommy to get the ball inside down low, and it worked. The one thing I have to say, Balu drives me nuts sometimes. He sometimes gets this look at his face. Everybody, even though we're looking at from, you know, back in the high seats when we're watching, we can even see the look at his face and say, he's going to push it. And, and so they just drop three guys on him, and they knock it out of his hands or something, or he takes a crazy shot. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's hot and cold because sometimes you see that look in his eye and he's just going to push it and he'll dribble it off his foot or you know a guard will come in and steal it. But then there are times where he does get that triple team and then he passes it off to... Or he gets fouled. <laughs> yeah, or that. But then he, he'll dump it off to you know Seth Henderson. He had a nice pass to Seth Henderson where Seth was wide open. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he was being triple teamed and that was nice. Uh, yeah. He's also a really good passer to DeBellis. I love how the bigs pass to each other. Uh, that's one thing that's uh, that's one thing you can say without a doubt and why it, it, though I, it, it's clear that Kirk Creasel leads the conference in assists but you have to you have to say the team is very unselfish and that is one of the things you could see that was that we were executing very well is the ability the passing game and this time I don't know it's been the last few games even even with the Arizona State game we really cleaned up the passing to where we you know you were getting used to the fact that the ball was going in down to the uh, bigs or something or they try to pass it out and they basically pass it to the opposing player but that is really cleaned up in the last few games, I think. Well, and what Tommy said in the presser is that he's focused and told the guys to not go for the home run plays all the time necessarily. You know, run the offense, and eventually we'll get those passes. If you've noticed in the last couple of games, we haven't gone for those long, you know, full-court passes where it's a bounce pass between three people, and who knows who's going to end up with it. You know, sometimes it works out, but oftentimes it doesn't, and it leads to a turnover. And uh, we only had 10 turnovers tonight, so that was great. I have to feed you this one. Uh, tell us about the pass of the game there. <laughs> oh, man. That was to uh, uh, Pella Larson, right? That's Yeah. That pass of the game was just amazing, wasn't it? It just, was, yeah. Just throw it up there, and that was Bala who dunked it, right? Yeah, it was just to put put right up there and uh, up there and play, and then in it goes. Yep, it was amazing. Pella, I think, had a rough game. Uh, but defensively, I thought he played really well, and I think he set the tone along with Tubelis. They kind of set the tone defensively, and I think Arizona played really well on the defensive end. I think Arizona played really well defensively, and re- uh, you could tell from the beginning there was the energy there to do it. It's just Boogie was part of the reason why they were able to score so many – well, he was a good chunk of the reason they were able to score so many points because when you think of a good defensive run, you don't think of someone scoring 81 points on you. But Boogie was just having – he was playing lights out. And to, uh, to Arizona's credit, UCLA did lose there when he last when he did that. Okay, So that Boogie came on in the second half, and basically UCLA thought they were going to win there. No. So Arizona withstood that uh, amazing 35-point barrage from Boogie and still managed to, to, to keep the lead all the way throughout 
and secure the win. Yeah, to me, it's one of those tip of the cap, right? You know, I don't think there's anything else Arizona could have done to stop him. I think if Arizona limited everybody else, which they pretty much did, uh, letting Boogie get his own is is fine. Um, you just got to give him credit because he was rising up above our guys, even though there was a hand in his face and he was drilling them. He was just uh, naked. And that, and that happens. Every team will face a player who just goes lights out like that. And you just have to withstand it. And the nice thing is Arizona, if Arizona had tried to shift its defense too much to double team him or do something like that, the game, the game plan could have really gotten confusing. Instead, just let it play out. We're comfortable doing man-to-man. We're comfortable uh, with the way we shift. It's, we do switch-ups and defense. Let it go. So yep. I, I was happy with that. There were uh, four lead changes throughout the game, and to show you kind of how dominant this game was, Arizona led for 36 minutes and seven seconds of this game. <laughs> That's a lot of time up front. Uh, there were times, particularly when we were up by 16, that you're feeling, let's put this thing away. Let's give our bigs some time to rest before you know we have a short turnaround for the Saturday game with UCLA. But uh, you, particularly with the storm by Boogie and the rest, the, t- the game stayed close. Well, and Kobe Johnson and Re-Sticks and Waters didn't really do much in the first half. And in the second half, it seemed like they always snuck away to the corner and they got the kick out and shot a three and nailed it. And they just did enough to keep the game a little closer than it needed to be. And that, and that was one of the points we made also in the preview show was talking about the fact that it's likely that USC is going to get a, a, a few more threes than they did the last time. And indeed, that did pan out. Yeah, right, right. So what do you think this win does for Arizona's confidence going forward into a huge game against number four UCLA on Saturday at 8 p.m.? The early game. (laughs) (laughs) The early game. So, folks, we are the nightcap for anybody who listens uh, on the East Coast of the United States. Take uh, make sure to have your caffeine because it's going to be a late one. But uh, I think that uh, I think the confidence is there. And I think that they they, there'll be no denying, particularly since UCLA is on a nine game winning streak, that uh, there's they have a big challenge. And I think if uh, they know what happened last year with uh, three NBA draft picks and still to lose by 16 last year. So I'm pretty sure the team's going to be pumped up and knows the challenge and know that they're going to go in there as an underdog. And I think that uh, being able to, you know, Tommy still not losing back-to-back games at Arizona because, you know, coming back, you know, taking this game after the ASU uh, game really sets a strong tone going into UCLA. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be another grinded out game. I don't expect UCLA to blow us out at Pauly. You know, I don't know that they have that much of a home court advantage from Pauly because, you know, the fans are lackluster compared to McHale Center. Uh, But I'm interested because, like you said, last year Arizona got blown out by 16 points. And then when UCLA came to Tucson, we beat them by 10. Um, So it's kind of, you know, who knows what you're going to get. I think this game with USC is the model game going forward. If we can just take this game and say, okay, let's play like we did against USC, against UCLA, against whoever in the Pac-12 tournament, against whoever in March, uh, March Madness, I think we're going to be just fine. Um, you know, you know, Tiger's going to come out and bring it. You know, Jaime Hawkins is going to bring it, especially because, you know, he's going for National Player of the Year in the Pac-12. You know, he's going against Tubelis, so he wants to have a strong showing. Uh, I hope for Tubelis to continue this dominant performance. Uh, again, that 25 points was excellent. Uh, Adem Bona, he didn't really have a great game in Tucson. And uh, Mick Cronin even said Adem Bona got some fouls that were pretty bogus. Uh, so I'd like to see what he does. Um, what 
you know, are there any other players on UCLA that stand out to you? Uh, obviously, Amari Bailey wasn't playing when we played UCLA in Tucson. Now, the, the one player that stands out to me is that, man, that, that freak show that is at the end, man. <laughs> I, watch a game, I watch a game, I keep thinking, man, just let, let's beat him just because, because this guy. <laughs> and for all you Minnesota fans, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he, he's got an interesting look to himself, doesn't he? He, he does. He does. I hear that he. I, I hear that those type can spit a bit. <laughs> Jaime had a great game last night. You know, against ASU, he he. You know, he had 19 points in the <laughs> before the first half was even over. He was really having an amazing game, and so Jaime's continuing his role and proving out uh, that that he's probably deserving of uh, the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, I'd have to say. That uh, Tubelis, of course, came back and gave a performance that equaled, if not even slightly bettered, Jaime's, uh, uh, Jaime's performance. Jaime did 26.7 rebounds, and uh, and uh, Tubelis does his next double-double. He gets 10 rebounds and 25 points. So good, ma- good match there. The one thing I think, this is my guess, is during the UCLA game, uh, we did pretty good job at getting uh, Jaime Hawkins out of sync. And I don't think that was just because he had a bad game. I think a lot of that was our defense. I think our defense really buckled down and made it hard for some of those folks to score. And even as Tiger, you watch Tiger playing a lot of the Pac-12 teams, and he goes he goes to town, he makes these amazing shots, either from three or he can do that 10, 15-foot jumper, no problem. But Arizona does a pretty good job when playing its frenetic defense and making that a lot harder. And so they were missing a lot more in McHale, and I'm hoping that's what we see, uh, that's what we see on Saturday as well. Yeah, so much of this game is mental, and I think that we got into their heads a little bit when they were in McHale. Um, I, I do agree that I think the defense is where it's at. I think the offense will come. I think you know our guys will get their points, but defensively, you know, if we can play that tight defense on Jaime Huckes, if we can, you know, get Pella out there, if we can lock up Tiger Campbell, and I thought Kirk Creesa did a great job on Tiger Campbell in Tucson. He, he he did he did he actually that was amazing he's actually uh, has the type of build and stuff that really uh, that really seems to do well for uh, for guarding Tiger he's not yeah. Kirk Kreese is usually is not necessarily your best defender but in certain cases he lines up well with a small guard yeah yeah you bet and just like this USC game I think the formula is the same is it's pounded into the big guys. Uh, you want them to draw those fouls, and that's what helped us in Tucson is we got a Dembona out of the game early because he picked up two quick fouls. So pound the ball inside, let Tubelis and Ballo do what they do. Um, we'll see if the refs uh, give UCLA some home cooking or not. Uh, but I think it's going to be a great physical game, and it's going to really show the nation you know, what the Pac-12 is about. Unfortunately, it's only two teams in the Pac-12 that really matter. Um, I know USC will get a bid, and hopefully ASU does too, so we get four teams in. But right now, the nation is watching Arizona and UCLA battle it out in the Pac-12. Absolutely, and let's let's guess. What do you think the number? If Arizona manages to eke out this win in uh, Poly, what do you think the fans and Mick are going to complain was the reason? <laughs> Fouls. <laughs> <laughs> officiating, baby. Officiating. That's going to be it. We're going to yep. hear about it in the post-game press conference. We're going to hear about it on Twitter. We're going to hear about it everywhere. It's going to be officiating. So let's hope we do get that win so we can test to see if that actually comes true. I mean, what is Tommy Lloyd right now? Three and one against Mick Cronin. So at some point, if Tommy gets to four and one against Mick Cronin, it's not just the officiating every game, right? How, by the way, how about uh, Tommy Lloyd's uh, milestone in coaching last night? 
he's just amazing. I tell you what, we got really lucky. I had no clue what we were getting in Tommy Lloyd. I knew he was with Gonzaga, and I know he's a great assistant coach, but it's a first-time head coach. You don't really know what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, he's done such a remarkable job. It's amazing what he's done with guys like Balo. Balo was almost a, a no-namer last year. Uh, now he's just a dominant force, and so that player development is so awesome. It, it is. And one of the things you have to say to yourself is, so what are the things uh, Tommy, of course, won national coach of the year, uh, you know, and by some metrics, he was national coach of the year last year. And so a lot of folks said, well, that's unfair. The guy, they, they, the ones who were voting against him said, look, uh, Sean Miller left him a loaded cupboard. OK, so that's not fair. So now uh, th- this year. Everybody had Arizona ranked preseason quite a bit lower because, come on, no team walks away giving away three, you know, having three, uh, you know, draft picks leave the team and then without much in the way of a major recruiting announcement comes back and show, is, is any good the next uh, season. Yet, yet, <laughs> right. what do we pull off here? And Come on, you have to start, folks, if you've been uh, picking at Tommy because you're thinking, well, he's just got too much talent and that's the reason. You have to be rethinking that as a a bit after, you know, after we lose the three guys to the NBA and look at what the season is. I mean, come on, this is pretty amazing. Well, and give him credit this year because Courtney Ramey is his. He's the one that brought Courtney Ramey in. He brought Cedric Henderson in. He brought Umar Ballo, obviously, with him. He brought Pella Larson with him. You know, he has his guys, Kylan Boswell. Um, he has his guys. And so he's showing that he can recruit, not just obviously internationally, but he can recruit guys here in the States. Uh, so give him credit where credit is due. It's not Sean Miller's team anymore. This is Tommy Lloyd. And I think a lot of Arizona fans have seen the difference in the coaching between Sean Miller and Tommy Lloyd. Um, you know, they have two completely different styles. And to me, it looks like the players are actually having fun out there. When Miller was the coach, and I love Sean Miller, but – I don't feel like the players were having a ton of fun. These guys look like they're having a blast out there, passing the ball, really excited, jumping up when the other guy's dunking. You know, they get so excited for each other, and that's nice to see that chemistry. Yeah, and I, I, I think that one of the things is Tommy's overall style is a lot different, and one of the things you can tell is people, uh, if you watch, you, you can tell from the sideline that he's just not one of these guys who's just got this evil-looking face on, angry, yelling at people all the time. He has his moments, but for the most part, he's pretty calm and I think he has a way of engaging the players and getting what he wants out of them. And he does it in just discreet actions. For example, when he chose to uh, have Paul Larson come on as six man instead of starting, you know, it's just these things that he does. Or when he had Tabella sit down and think about it when he started getting in foul trouble after he kicks the the game ball. You know, these t- he just takes the actions, he gets them back on track, and and I think that that's uh, that that's really a style that the players can can relate to. Absolutely. Um, so with this win against USC, Arizona has locked up the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, should be an exciting tournament. Obviously, UCLA has got the one seed. Um, what are your thoughts on the Pac-12 tournament before? Obviously, we got UCLA, so don't want to skip that. But uh, what are your thoughts on the Pac-12 tournament? Oh, I think the Pac-12 tournament is going to be exciting. Never before. Okay, so we have already talked about a lot of the discussion about it being the Pac-2. And if uh, 
you know, if Arizona beats, if, let's say when Arizona beats UCLA, it's going to just show how the the Pac-12 the it's a, is a tough place to play. You never know who's going to come out on top. There's a good chance that uh, there's a good chance that, of course, it's going to be Arizona UCLA who wins the whole thing. But there's also more so than in in many of the years a chance that we could have a surprise Cinderella make it deep into the tournament. So it's going to be really exciting to watch. If I were to ask you, who do you think that surprise team is? Who would you pick? And my surprise team that could go deep would be Washington State, potentially Stanford. Yep. Yeah, because you never know what kind of shooting that you're going to get out of them. If they put on a shooting night like they did, both of them did against Arizona, you know, Washington State beat Arizona at McHale. And then Stanford, good grief, they couldn't miss at all. Washington State's currently on a five or six game winning streak right now. They've just managed to start putting things together. They're uh, they're they're putting it together at the right time. It's still, you know, it's still too little too late for a lot of the teams to get into the tourney at this point. But I mean, you've certainly got to do what you can to, there's going to be only one winner of the PAC 12 tournament. And then again, like we said, it's likely to be one of the two top teams, which will already have a buy into the NCAA tournament. So if that doesn't turn out to be the case and somebody else wins it, that team will automatically get into the NCAA tourney themselves. I'm going to try and go out on the limb here i'm gonna pick asu or colorado as my dark horses for the pac-12 tournament colorado always seems to play decently in the pac-12 tournament um they're tough and you know tad Boyle's a tough coach um, and then we all know what asu brings to the table and bobby hurley and those guys um so i think i think one of those two get one of those two teams can make a run in the pac-12 tournament I think they could. And one of the things that Bobby Hurley and his team has had uh, a tr- trouble with in the tournament is at times they had some urgency behind winning the first game in the Pac-12 tournament. It could have meant something for them. And what we've seen is basically a no-show each of the times. They've done it multiple times where we even joked, I think, last year. I think you and I joked because we were there at the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas and said, oh, don't fans, to the ASU fans, we said, don't uh, don't bother getting a hotel. You guys won't be here long. <laughs> Well, and the irony is, is they had a huge lead against Stanford and then it yeah. goes into yep. overtime and then Stanford ends up winning. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I just it seems like the, it just seems like the the urgency of knowing that you have to win. You got you must win that you, they just can't seem to get it together. And they haven't had a really good history in the Pac-12 tournament. So it'd be interesting to see uh, if Bobby can get past the first round and get a little further into it this time. Well, I hate to say it, but I almost had some sympathy for ASU last year. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I did, I did too. I was actually watching that, going, "Man, this is kind of sad." Yep. Yep. And 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 uh, folks, if you haven't attended the Pac-12 tournament, and you're an Arizona fan or Pac-12 basketball fan. Well, heck, if you're a college basketball fan, the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas is an amazing experience. Um, you get the great opportunity to be in a, a, a city that never sleeps and you get just continuous basketball. Ricky and I have a history of being able to sit through 11 games. So every games in four days, every single game we sit through, including the first round by games, we uh, sit through all of them. So four games in one day. And we have to tell you, if you're really into college basketball, you enjoy the Pac-12, or you just enjoy college basketball at all. It's a great tournament to go to, and you'll get a chance to see fans out on the street. It's more than just the games. It's just a crazy environment, enjoyable to watch. Well, and it's fun to see Arizona's fan base outnumber every other fan base 30 to 1. 
Yeah. You, 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 uh, for those of you who aren't an Arizona fan and you're in the Pac-12, you get a little overwhelmed and probably frustrated by the number of Arizona fans in every corner of every casino, every restaurant, everywhere. But Arizona fans travel well, and, and we've called that McHale North in many cases. <laughs> it's just me walking around Vegas and just walking down the street and randomly hearing somebody say bear down as you walk by them because you're just everywhere everywhere and seeing the seeing the arizona a everywhere you look one thing that is funny though is that uh when uh arizona played in vegas earlier in the year against indiana the red that you saw in the stands wasn't arizona it was amazing this uh, the fans that seemed to be dominating the stands that were the indiana fans wasn't that crazy that is crazy because we're so used to Las Vegas being McHale North, and we thought, here we go, we're going to Vegas, perfect. We're, you know, we're playing at T-Mobile. All right, or no, that was at MGM, wasn't it? Yeah, that was at MGM, but that still, was that, was, that was that was that was that was McHale North uh, part before one. T-Mobile. <laughs> before T-Mobile was. Yeah, so you're expecting a huge Arizona turnout, and it just it wasn't there. And my thought process is maybe it's just not long enough because. The Pac-12 tournament is, you know, four days and you get to have, you know, great time eating and doing what you do in Vegas. But then you've got all these games, especially on Wednesday, you know, Wednesday, there's four games. Uh, and then you got, you know, the games following Thursday, Friday and the championship on Saturday. So maybe <laughs> Arizona fans just didn't want to go out for a day or two. I don't know. That's okay. They'll show, I'm, I'm sure they're going to show up for the tournament. And folks, if you another thing, if you haven't been sold already on going, if you uh, if you're not already going, one of the things that's really fun too is you get a, there's a good chance you might run into some of the coaches and players while you're out there as well. So it's a great environment. It's a great chance to see uh, the Pac-12, all, every Pac-12 team in action. Since there is no uh, there is no having to be invited, everybody's invited. So it's a great it's a great tournament. And so Ricky and I will be doing a. a preview of the tournament once the bracket is set which will occur right after this weekend and uh we will start we'll outline our you know kind of give you our thoughts based on how the brackets finally play out which almost decided well after this weekend we'll either be super happy or we'll be concerned (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we'll do that coverage of all the games we'll do coverage on wednesday's games thursday's games friday and saturday uh, we're all obviously hoping that Arizona makes a deep run. Uh, we don't believe that it's necessar- necessary for them to make a deep run uh, for seeding purposes, unless they do beat UCLA and win the championship. Then now we're talking maybe an, a one seed for Arizona. What do you think? I think so. I think Arizona uh, right now, of course, is that Arizona has uh, five losses all for teams outside of the net top 50. So uh, that that's really hurting. And a lot of folks, including Joe Lenardi, had a sitting at a three seed. I don't like the way he has us right now. He's got a three seed with Houston as the one in the West, <laughs> but uh, um, it, it certainly could. It certainly could do that. But I still think that uh, for us, and I agree. I've agreed with you from the beginning, and I really think the sweet spot for us would be if we got to stay out in the West as a two seed, and we got somebody like Kansas or somebody like that as the one. That would that would be a really good situation. Well, we can really control our destiny on Saturday, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We need to. One of the things we don't want to do is, I mean, one of the things that has been making up a bit, and it it gets mentioned a lot in the press, particularly on CBSSports.com, is the fact that Arizona has quite a few quad one wins with quite a few of them, I think like five of them for teams that are still in the current top 25, okay, which is a big statement right there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, no other team in the top 10 or 15 has as many subpar losses as Arizona does, not one. That's why this is the most confusing year ever in college basketball because there are a lot of teams that are doing that. Purdue's on a losing streak too. Yeah, uh, they they got very lucky beating Wisconsin, but man, they are on a, a losing streak. And so, uh, 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how far these teams go. I'm not a huge fan of the Big Ten. I don't know that the Big Ten is going to make any deep runs. They seem to get 30 teams in, and then they all are out by the first weekend. And, and which conference tends to do fairly well at getting teams further advanced? It's the Pac-12. Pac-12, yeah. In the tournament, we tend to tend to advance quite a bit. And at, at times, it hasn't been unusual to see 25% of the Sweet 16 as Pac-12 teams. So right. uh, this year, I don't that won't happen probably because we won't have enough teams that are there. But still, what an amazing uh, tournament that's going to be. And as you said, we control our fate. We've uh, The season ends for us tomorrow at UCLA. Hopefully, it's going to be a great ending. And then we're on to postseason play. Let's just all take a moment and think about after that the long run with covid and stuff what this means we got live basketball live tournaments everything happening as it did before covid let's enjoy it folks all right everyone well that's it for this podcast uh ed do you have any final thoughts before we head out yeah just two words bear down <laughs> everybody get some rest get rested up tonight because tomorrow we've got ucla 8 p.m arizona time uh make sure you're up for that that's gonna be a wonderful game you know these teams are going to battle it out. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. And if you're in the East Coast, uh, we're buying coffee so you can stay awake to watch it. Watch some West Coast basketball. We promise you, you'll love it. That'll be on Ed's tab. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you come back. We'll have a post game for you uh, after the UCLA game. And bear down. Go Cats. All right. Go Cats.